This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Do appreciate your time in listening to the show. Today on the show, I've got Brad Page. Now, Brad has called in to our Straight Shooting Podcast before, and Brad was also the person that sent me in the intro to the Straight Shooting Apathetic Shooter segment. And this is the awesome part about that is uh, sometimes it's not about people donating money. It's about thoughtfulness, and uh, Brad just kicked ass in the uh, thoughtfulness area by organizing the Straight Shooting Podcast Apathetic Shooter segment intro which as you guys know me and mario on several occasions talked about getting it done but we never actually got it done and you would have heard the intro on our previous last straight shooting podcast which i think was episode 135 and i'm pretty particular with my intros too i'll tell you what brad absolutely just nailed it absolutely just nailed it uh, so we had a good chat with Brad. We had to talk about uh, what he likes to do, his firearms, you know, whether his family are into it, those types of things, uh, what he likes to hunt, what he likes to shoot, and uh, what he enjoys so much uh, about being in firearms. We'll talk about, about politics as well. So hopefully enjoy the show. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest, The Everyday Hunter with Brad Page. This is Aaron from Shooting Stuff Australia. You'll listen to Australia's number one hunting, shooting and fishing podcast. All right, Brad Page, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast uh, for an episode of uh, one of our favourite segments, the Everyday Hunter Series. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolute honour. No worries, man. First off, I want to find out uh, about yourself. Tell us about yourself first. Um, I'm 31. I live in Gippsland. Um, I'm a qualified baker, so enjoy the early mornings, which is good when it comes to getting up early for the hunting trips. Um, I've recently got into deer hunting, but I mostly like to head out onto the farm and just ping rabbits and foxes. That's where uh, where my passion lies, really. What do you like getting up in the morning, mate, when you've got to go hunting? I'm terrible at getting up early. I think I've <laughs> said this on a number of shows, but um, are you, you good at getting up early, yeah? Oh, I'm actually really good at it. I've been doing it well, for my job for the best part of 10 years, um, I struggle come to the, uh, to the night time, but getting up you know, 2, 3 in the morning or 5, whatever time it not, uh, needs to be, um, I'm up, I'm at them sprightly. It's, uh, it's not an issue. I actually really enjoy getting up early, as odd as that might seem to some people. Mate, when they refer to the Gippsland, I hear people say that a lot. What area is the Gippsland in Victoria? Um, I'm in, in Warrigal, um, which is about an hour and a bit... Um, I guess the sort of southeast of Melbourne, uh, and that stretches further north, sort of towards the um, New South Wales border. It's actually a really, really large area, um, and it's it's a lot of farming and, and sort of dairy farm areas, um, and it's it's quite a lot of uh, state forest in there as well. So it's really great for hunting. Um, a lot of green pasture. So if you're in Victoria and you want to go hunting, this is generally the area that you like to come. Yeah, exactly. I'm- Go fishing in Malakuta quite a fair bit uh, when I go on holidays. Not every year, but close to. Good place up there. You been there? No, I've never been, but um, it looks like a really nice place. I'd love to get up there sometime in the future. You should, man. I've never had the opportunity. Should. It's awesome. How did you get into to, to shooting or any sort of fishing and those sort of activities? Was your family into it? or? 
Uh, definitely not. Um, I come from a very anti-firearm family. Um, I, for as, long as, as long as I can remember, I remember um, back in primary school that even then, at a young age, I had an interest in firearms and you wouldn't find it now, but in the school library, there was books on firearms and the history of firearms. And I used to go in the lunch, um, my lunch break and just not read it, but just flick through the pictures and looking at all the photos. And even back then, I had a, um, an interest in it. So um, when I got older um, and was able to then, I guess, pursue it, my parents shot it down pretty quick. Um, my dad is extremely anti-gun. His cousin, I think it was, shot and killed his brother by accident. This is going back into the sort of the 50s. Um, they found a, a gun um, in his uncle's wardrobe and they thought it was unloaded and they were just playing with it and he shot and killed his brother. So that was sort of scarred my dad and he was very anti, anti-gun anti and that sort of spread through the rest of the family. Unfortunately, but um, I guess I was the black sheep, and I've, I've picked up on it. What about now? Um, Is he still the same, or he's more understanding? He he doesn't like it, but he he accepts that I'm into it, and he doesn't sort of push his view. I don't push it with him. With sort of a a mutual understanding. Um, what what about mum? What she think? What about mum? Oh, she still thinks it's something I'll get over. I'm 31, and it's for as long as I can remember, it's been an interest of mine. But she still thinks at some point in the future I'll get over it. Um, Going back, how long have you been into shooting? Now that 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 way, that'll let us know how long you've been into it. Yeah, um, I think the first time I actually shot a firearm, I was 18. I was in the US. I spent about four months over there um, at a summer camp, and after camp finished, I stayed with a guy I worked with, and he had his granddad's guns that he inherited. And um, he invited me along with some mates that out to a, a public, I guess, park somewhere in the bushland. Um, and we went through a whole box of clays. And that was the first time that I'd really shot a firearm, um, shooting his, his granddad side by side. Um, it was a couple of pistols, revolvers. And this is something I hadn't actually really been exposed to. So um, that, that was a whole lot of fun. And I came back and started looking into it. And that's when my dad sort of really shut it down because I was still living at home then. Um, yeah, then so I what did you do him. when you came home and you just said, Dad? I just shot some clays overseas. This was amazing. I, I love this. So I hope, I think I'm going to love it. I want to get into shooting. What did he say? Not under his roof. Yeah. So it, it was pretty well, pretty much that blunt, that sharp, and he shut it down, didn't want to discuss it. So I kind of put that on the back burner. And I, every now and again, I'd sneak out to um, the SSAA range in Springvale and have a shoot there, which was um, – which is a lot of fun. And so, what I, you got your license? You just didn't buy any firearms. Is that what you're saying? No, or? no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. Um, didn't have a license. Um, I just paid my fee. It was under supervision. Um, my old boss, he was a shooter. I went with him every now and again, um, and just shot at the range, just the 22s, the targets. I was terrible. Um, still am, but I enjoyed a lot. Um, and I actually really, really fell in love with, I guess, the sport. Um, when I was in the Navy, I shot a lot in the Navy. Um, and you got, got a real appreciation for it. Um, everyone else who was on the firing line with me in the Navy while they were training, it seemed they were only really keen to fire off as many rounds as possible and have a bit of a blast. But I actually really thoroughly enjoyed trying to get really tight groups, um, which I, I think that's where I developed um, the passion for my target shooting. Yeah, and, and what did you do? Did you end up, uh, what, you moved out and you eventually, what, secured your own firearms at your own property? Yeah, or? Um, I, I moved out. Um, I rented a place with a mate of mine and I thought, well, I'm not under his roof anymore. Here we go. So I put myself <laughs> in. And Let the fun my, begin. Yeah, that's it. That was pretty much how, exactly how it went. Um, I think I was out maybe three weeks and I'd already booked in my um, safety test. 
so I, I didn't really waste any time. So that happened really quickly. Got my got my license and picked up at twenty two, and I've never looked back. I know it's personal, but married or girlfriend, fiance? Oh, I'm engaged. Yep. What does she I'm think engaged. about the uh, shooting activities? I've had some mixed results, which I've spoken about on the show before. Uh, some good, uh, some necessarily uh, not so good. What about your significant other? What does she think? Uh, when I first met her, um, she had had no. Sorry, that's terrible English. She had not had any experience with firearms, and she just believed what she's seen in the media that therefore mass murderers, if you like guns, you know you're bad. Um, and she was actually very, very open and receptive to it. Um, I took her to the range, and um, she absolutely loved it. So she's now speaking. She works sort of 100 hours a week. She works an awful lot, so she doesn't really have time for it, but she would like to go get her license. So um, when she does have some time off, we can go out together and uh, get onto the farm and shoot. Yeah, so when you, when your dad was saying, like after you moved out, you obviously probably would have bought some firearms, probably what, within, say, six months afterwards or thereabouts, whatever it may have been. And what about when you told, told dad, you said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not here anymore. I've sort of I've acquired firearms. What was his... Uh, opinion then when you were telling him that or you just keep it on the hush hush sort of unseen unheard sort of thing or what no no i um i was pretty open with him um he sort of looked at me he goes don't hurt yourself don't hurt anyone else don't want to know about it so he's he's still pretty close to it but um we're okay now that that was sort of oh, we're going back years now he sort of mellowed a little bit he still has absolutely no interest in it doesn't want to hear about it doesn't like when i post stuff on facebook but, um, <laughs> you should say, come on, Dad, come out hunting, mate. Everyone oh, loves guns. You just haven't shot one yet. I'd love to. I would absolutely <laughs> love to. But you just, I, I think um, I'll be uh, flogging a dead horse there. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I've, um, I've worked with my brother. My brother now is talking about um, getting his license, and he's regularly talking to me about what he should get and where she, where he should go, how he goes about it. So um, I, I think we've got another one amongst our ranks very shortly. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original OzGuns. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. So what do you, what do you prefer um, uh, when you go out hunting? Uh, what, what, what's your favourite? What, you, what are you interested in when it comes to owning firearms? You know, what sort of disciplines? Do you like hunting? Do you like uh, play targets? What, what, what gets your interest? 
Uh, I love going to the range and just punching paper. Um, I don't compete in any competitions or anything like that. It's just a competition with myself, I guess. Um, I love getting to the range and spending you know, a day there, several hundred rounds, just punching paper. There's a, um, a farm about 20 minutes from where I live. Um, I know the, the lady quite well. Um, and she's given me exclusive access to her farm, and she's just got rabbits galore and foxes. And um, I, I love that more than anything, I think, spending a night there under the spotlight dropping rabbits and foxes and I don't know, there's something about seeing a rabbit drop and it just um, flops and that's it, done. I don't know what it is. I just absolutely love shooting rabbits. That's probably my favourite uh, favorite species to target. Yep. Have you got have you got a deer yet or are you still dearless like me? I'm still dearless. Oh, no, it's, that's terrible. Listen, hey, if anyone's in Victoria, give Brad an opportunity. Invite him out somewhere. Let him shoot a deer. What do you reckon? That sounds good to me. I, I would absolutely <laughs> love one. Um, I've of, of, uh, got permission from the fiance, from my fiance Catherine, that we can have one hanging on the wall. And um, if I get one that I really like the coat on, we can have a, a deerskin rug. What, so what about obviously what you live with your fiance now? I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, we bought a house together about seven months ago. Yep. So what about if Dad pops over and sees a nice, nice little samba buck or a fallow buck on the wall? Would he just freak out? What does he think about hunting? Just the whole thing doesn't like hunting either, or? Um, it's not really a discussion I've had with him, to be honest. Um, I don't really know okay. where he stands. I know he doesn't like like the uh, the big game hunting in Africa, which I know a lot of people don't. Even those that enjoy hunting here, I know a lot of those um, people don't really like the big game hunting. Um, but apart from that, I don't really know how he feels about shooting rabbits, foxes, pigs, goats, deer, whatever. Um, it's not really a discussion I've had with him, to be honest. That's all right, mate. What are some of the pros of being a person that hunts, shoots, and, you know, does a nice bit of fishing. What do you think some of the pros and cons are? Oh, what are the pros? Um, I think being outdoors is a pretty big pro. I think um, too many people spend their lives indoors. They, they wake up, they get in the car, they go to the office, they come home, and they sit down, and that's it. Um, there's not enough time spent outside. Um, I think having high-quality uh, steroid and hormone-free meat, organic, free-range meat, um, that can only be a good thing. Um, I love a bit of a uh, bit of venison on the barbecue, or um, you slow cook it in a stew. I think venison is an incredible meat to have. Um, it also, I think, uh, another pro is having an appreciation and knowing where your food comes from. I think too many people uh, just see it as being meat slapped in a styrofoam tray in the uh, the, the fridge and at the supermarket. Um, with no real thought gone into uh, where it comes from, that it was a living, breathing animal and that it's died so it can end up on your plate. Um, I think people should have a better appreciation of where their food comes from to be less wastage. And I think that have a higher uh, respect for people like yourself and myself who go out and get it themselves. Um, it, it's, it's not as easy as um, going to the supermarket. There's a lot of work involved. And I think that's definitely a pro, being able to appreciate where your food comes from. You're 100% right, man. Um, you know that said that one point when you're in the US, were you interested in firearms before, or you, what you perceived to be an interest in firearms before that or that was like that one category? Because everyone has that sort of, you know, I sort of, now that I think about it, I'm not sure what it was with me, but that one event where they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool or I really want to get into that or some event that, uh, you know, sparked their interest in getting into firearms. Was that your one or you're interested before that and that just sort of topped it off? I, I had a, a general interest in them beforehand. Um, 
it, it was sort of, yeah, I, I like guns. I think they're cool. But when I went to the US and handled the the side-by-side and the, the revolver and whatever else you had, I can't remember exactly what they were, I actually pulled that trigger for the first time. That was the first time I actually shot a firearm. That was, I think, the moment it became not an obsession but a really deep passion and love. Um, so I, I think for me that was a turning point where it was more than just interest and it just became sort of – ingrained in who i am it was i can probably trace it back to that point so yeah i think that's where it really started for me yep what about cons of being a uh hunter shooter and a bit of a fisherman what do you think of any cons of being um uh, i've heard other people on your show talk about this and i don't think there's actually too many i think the um probably the worst thing or the the biggest con is probably the social stigma um and even even that, I, I don't really care too much what other people think. Like everyone's entitled to their own opinion and they can think whatever they want to think. Um, but I, I think in terms of hunting and shooting and fishing, it, there's no real con. I can't see how it, it's a bad thing as long as it's done in a safe and sustainable manner. Yeah, mate. Totally agree with you. What about, um, you know, obviously you've got friends. What about what they think? Uh, work colleagues, those types of things, you know, when you got into the sport and obviously, you know, like me, you'd, my, all my colleagues know I go shooting because um, they always ask you what you're doing for holidays and I'm like, well, I'm going down to shoot ducks on the Riverina or go duck hunting. But what are they like when you've spoken about it, say, at your work or, or even your close friends that you've got now or people that you come in contact with? Um, for the, the overwhelming majority, it's a pretty good response. Um I'm very open and vocal about it. I don't sort of hide away from it. Um, when people find out that I do shoot, if I haven't told them already, I don't sort of, oh, yeah, but I only go rarely. You know, I don't shoot very often. Um, I'm, I'm open and honest. And, yeah, I like to go a lot. And this is what I, well, you know, what I do. Um, I, I, Apart from the foxes, I make sure I use what I shoot. I don't like wasting, um, uh, wasting meat and animals unnecessarily. Um, and I find the response, it, it's one of a genuine interest. They don't bring it up to sort of have a go and um, try and bring you down. It, it seems to me that it's a genuine interest because I think the most, uh, the majority of uh, the people that I speak to who aren't shooters haven't really had that interaction with a shooter. So when they find um, someone who does shoot, it's a genuine interest in what it's all about. So um, I've taken a few friends to the range, none who have become licensed, but um, there's a few mates who I go with on a semi-regular basis now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think generally it's a pretty good reaction. So I don't know if that's just me personally um, or if that is um, over the, you know, um, the whole community of shooters, if that's what they all experience. But for me personally, it's genuinely a pretty good reaction and they are, they are you know, really interested. Nice. Um Next question, this is an interesting one. You said you like um, you know, uh, other hunting, uh, non-hunting related activities, I should say. Punching paper, what else do you enjoy shooting in uh, other disciplines other than obviously hunting? Uh, yeah, that's, that's all I really do um, is shoot on the farm with rabbits and foxes and going to the range and, and punching paper. I've just started making inquiries about joining the local um, pistol club. Um, I'm not licensed at the moment for that, but that's something I, w- I would like to pursue in the future. So I'm, um, I'm in, in discussion with them to try and go down and have a chat and see what it's all about there because as, as far as I'm aware, it's not open to the public. They do have um, sort of come and try days, 
but um, I don't really want to wait for the next one. So I'm, I'm talking to them at the moment. So I think um, the next discipline I'd like to try is pistols. That looks like a lot of fun. All right. What's your uh, – let's talk about calibers. always love this one because it's, yeah. it's always quite contentious, you know, a lot of caliber wars on the social media. What's Absolutely. Your, what's your go-to calibers you enjoy shooting? Uh, I think Old Faithful, just the uh, 22 rimfire. You can shoot it all day, every day. It, it's cents in the dollar to shoot. It costs next to nothing. Ammunition, there's plenty available. Um, it, I just love the, the 22 LR. Um, I've also got in my safe a 223, which I just purchased, which I have not yet fired. I'm itching to go squeeze off a few rounds through that. Um, my D rifle is a 3006, um, which. It's a bit of a step up from the 22, but that, that's a lot of fun. I really enjoy shooting that. Yeah, slight uh, slight increase in power and velocity. I also really love my little air rifle. I've got a little Crossman 1077 um, air rifle, which I think is an awful lot of fun to shoot. That's that's an absolute blast. But uh, 22 it would be, have to be by far my favourite. Yep. Well, is that most of that all your collection? You've only got a couple, or you've got other ones that you, you like? If you had to pick your favourite, what's your favourite out of all of them? I've got a really nice um, CZ-22. That was my first one. It's got a gorgeous um, Turkish walnut stock, and the accuracy, sorry, accuracy is just undeniable. That will punch, you know, five shots within, I guess, the pinky nail. Um, it, it's it's really tight groups out of that thing, and I absolutely love it. That's that's my go-to rifle for just about any sort of rabbit and fox shooting I do. Um, I've had... Uh, a two two three in the past, a little Howler, which um, which was alright, but um, I sold that to buy. Um, I think I sold that to buy my thirty oh six. I think, but um, nothing compares to the um, the CZ. Uh, that's by far my favourite. I absolutely love it. What about, what about brands on your fire? You a bit of a brand whore, or a lot of guys like their, you know, no, their no. Seikos, or their doesn't matter for you. You buy doesn't matter what you buy. You like all different brands. You know, I'm, I'm not really a brand or, but um, CZ would be my brand to go to. Um, I've also owned Howers. Um, I've had an Adler, which was a, a bit of fun. I enjoyed that, but um, that had to, you know, make space in the safe. I didn't really shoot it enough. Um, and a couple of Brownings, Winchester. But uh, you know, I'm pretty open to what's out, out there. I'm not really set on one specific manufacturer. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably go CZ just because I, I know per, uh, firsthand that the accuracy is just phenomenal. What is it about the shooting sports? Why do you keep, Why do you enjoy it? You said it's deep passion, but why is it a deep passion? Why do you keep coming back to shooting? I mean, you know, it's always everyone answers you know, the question a lot differently. So what is it for you that you enjoy? Why is it a deep passion? Why do you think that it's as good as you think it is and, and, and the sport in general and dealing with, you know, and making friends, I guess, with other firearms owners. You know, no doubt you've probably got a few friends as well. What's in it for you? That's a really tough question, actually. Um, <laughs> I've stumped someone, finally. You, you have, you have. That's, that's actually a really tough question. It's not one I've really spent much time thinking about. Um, I'm a bit of a, an introvert and I do like being sort of on my own and I think the shooting sports allows you to compete against other people but also go within yourself and spend time alone at the range trying to master um master what you're doing it's just you and the rifle and your bullet and just you're trying to put it in the same spot or wherever you want to put it every time and i think it's the personal challenge you set for yourself and i think that's that's what i enjoy about it it's pressure i'm putting on myself or a challenge i'm setting myself but without anyone else sort of pushing me to do that or you don't have a coach or a team relying on you it's just you and 
your target or you and your your quarry that you're shooting. It's I don't know. I just like being in that particular moment um, at the time. I think that's that's why I prefer the shooting sports over just about any other sport. Do you like doing it on your own, or have you made friends in the you know the, the I guess the, the shooting community? You might say. Oh, I've made friends in the shooting community, and I love getting out um, on the farm with my mate Kev. He. Yeah, um, took me for my first um, deer hunt. I love going out and spending time with um, him and other mates shooting on the farm, but I actually find probably my favourite time shooting is at the range on my own, where um, you sort of solitary, clear your mind, everything just sort of goes away, and it's just you and what you're seeing down your scope. And I actually find it's you know, a really, really peaceful moment, and I think that's why I love it. What about, you know, a lot of people hunt for different reasons, which is, you know, which is cool. You know, some people hunt for, you know, purely pest control. You know, some people get a bit upset when, you know, people you know, kill deer, for an example, but don't utilize the meat depending on what they're, you know, which is both ways are fine. But what, what, what do you hunt for? Meat, culture, trophies? What are you, what's your prime reasoning, you would say? I love hunting because it gets you out. Um, outdoors and you experience um, the countryside that you probably or- wouldn't ordinarily get to experience. Like, yeah, you can go bushwalking and, and whatnot, but it's a bit different walking on a track than it is working your way through thick scrub trying to find that, you know, that trophy samba. Um, it's You see things you wouldn't ordinarily see. Um, and I-, I love hunting because the ever-changing conditions mean it's always a challenge. Um, it's not like shooting and at indoor range like I did, um, also like I have in the past, everything is different every time you go. Um, but what I mean is, what I mean is, you know, do you like for some people won't go out if they know that. I think you said it before, actually. If you go out to hunt, you won't shoot anything unless you're going to take the meat, or say it's like a fox, for an example. Um, some people hunt because just a culture, but they don't t- take meat. They might not want the meat, or they just do it purely for feral animal control. Which one is your primary? I, I do shoot for meat um that that's um probably it's not what i go there specifically for that's just i guess an added bonus um i go because i guess it's it's a feeling that i feel like i I need to it's not it's it's really hard to explain i guess um i feel like it's it's within me that this is something that i need to be doing i guess like why does a sheepdog naturally know it needs to herd it just knows because that's who it is Ah, oh, nice analogy. I like that one. I think that's why I, I I shoot and hunt because it's just who I am and it's it's within me. Um, so getting your meat to take home at the end of the the shoot is always a bonus. But even if I don't go out and shoot anything and I come home empty-handed, I'm still just as happy as if I came back um, with an esky full of rabbit or um, or I guess a deer. But not that I've shot one yet. But what does the uh, fiance think about bringing home game meat? Keen? Not so keen? She loves venison. Um, I haven't shot one myself, as I've said. It's a sore, it's a sore point. Um, but my mate Kev, he, he keeps me well fed with, um, with deer that, that he shoots. So when um, when I come home with snags or, or steaks, um, yeah, she's right into it. Um, where I've just introduced her to goat. I haven't been on a goat shoot yet. I would absolutely love to go on a goat shoot. But I think in terms of game meat, um, for both my fiancé and I, um, goat's our favourite. Yeah, she's definitely, definitely open to it and, and loves the venison. Nice work, mate. Some people say, you know, shooting's a, a sport. Others loathe that terminology of calling it a sport. Culture, you know, a means of getting food. How would you describe it? I guess shooting, I, I guess, paper and targets and steel silhouettes, whatever. I guess, yeah, that, that's a sport. I wouldn't personally call hunting a sport. 
Um, I guess that's more of a cultural pursuit. I, I don't sort of argue the point if anyone says it's a sport. You know, it's it's each and every person, I guess, is entitled to their opinion and their own interpretation. But for me personally, um, if you're out hunting, I see that as more of a cultural pursuit. Um, if you're shooting targets in paper, yeah, absolutely, that's a sport, I believe. Brad, how would you explain it to someone that's never hunted before? Or have you had, for an example, someone that's come up, you've spoken to them, maybe at work, you know, a friend that didn't shoot, but they've seen you get into it. How would you explain it to them about the lifestyle? And have you got anyone else into uh, uh, the shooting sports that's just loved it and uh, continued and maybe become a good friend or was already a good friend and you, know, you guys go shooting together, for an example, or something like that? Yeah, I've um, I've met a few people through through shooting, and um, I've I've got some of my mates who I've known for years. I've, I've taken out to the range and got them into shooting. Um, as I as I said before, they're not licensed yet, but we do get out to the range, and that is something they enjoy. Um, I'd probably I'd, I'd like to I generally explain it to them as the benefits, I guess, to the overall community. Uh, you not just uh, going out and shooting uh, animals for pest control and that's it. You're injecting a lot into uh, the community uh, in a sort of a financial sense, fuel, uh, food, accommodation. Um, I remember I went on a camping trip to go for a shoot and I forgot the air pump for the mattress. So um, we trekked into the local township to the survey and paid an absolute fortune for an air pump, which um, the, the, I wouldn't ordinarily have... Um, have spent that sort of money in that region if I wasn't shooting. So you go out regional towns which don't have a whole lot of uh, traffic flowing through them and you help them out financially through your shooting and through your sport. Yeah, I just explained to them that it's not purely shooting um, and, and, and killing things and fun and games, that there is also a big financial um, aspect to it where you're injecting uh, money into these regional towns that desperately need it that wouldn't ordinarily get um, these funds if it wasn't for shooters and fishers so i explained to them via the shooting sports that you're not just um having fun with your mates and yourself you're also helping these regional towns which would be struggling without the um the injection into their uh, their finances yep so what do you reckon your top one or two gamer that you like hunting what we've had to pick one let's say two we'll go with two this time Two is what, a good number. Yeah, two what, is a good number. What's your What's your top? Or what would you? Let's go. We'll go. We'll go two. What's your? Just give me one first. What's your top favorite? Rabbit. Um, that's 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 my favorite. Um, you're pretty much guaranteed to come home with something. It's not the be all and end all. If you you know you come home empty handed, but it's always a bonus. Um, I, I love getting rabbits and bringing them home. Um, if I've got more than I can eat or more than I can freeze, it also makes great dog food. But um, in terms of the actual process of hunting and stalking, um. It's got to be the mighty stamper, the ever-elusive. Exactly. I, I think I saw one one time ages ago, but it was a little little small one. Uh, I was in one of the forests, and um, we were sort of driving around, and we were coming down like the, the, the – we come over the mountain down to the side, and it was sort of you know, swirling left to right as you go down, and the little bugger was in the middle. And, you know, Samba, f- for my opinion, they're not the – they're not the best-looking deer, you know what I mean? They've got a weird-looking face, and <laughs> um, you know, they've just got that ugly look about them. That's just my opinion. But they're a nice big animal, don't get me wrong, but they've got that sort of you know, hair under the sort of the, like the chin or the neck or wherever it comes from, and they're just a weird-looking deer in my opinion. But it was a, And make, making the small one being there like at the same time, I'm like, oh, there's that. You know, it's not, not, not such a good-looking deer. It's small. Uh, and here it goes running off with its big bum in my face. But, um, no, definitely an interesting. Let's go on the other hand animals or game you might say that you haven't shot before you haven't had a chance to hunt what would be say your top one you'd love to go and hunt um a goat 
I think. Oh, the goats. Uh, I, I don't know much much about hunting goats. Um, I've never actually gone and done it before. Never had the opportunity. But um, I, I'd love to protect, I'd love to take a nanny and stuff the freezer. Um, I absolutely love goat meat. You have it um, in a nice slow cooker in a curry. And there's nothing better. So I think in terms of species I haven't targeted yet, goat would be number one. Me and Muzz have gone on a few goat hunts before and um, got a few. So uh, I think one of the last years we made about, oh, we took some mints. We minced some up, but we made some curries out of them. We made a lot of sausages out of them too. Some chorizo goat come out quite nice, actually. Muzz was pretty impressed with them, so... Yeah, you got my mouth watering, Jace. I, I hear you two talk about it on the, the podcast all the time, and I just get so jealous. Like, I just love to go take a goat. But you talk about, too, which is quite interesting. You are right, though. Like, people think it's easy, too, you know, just going out and, oh, you know, you hunt this, you strip it back. But I mean, it's, the, it's the work after that, too, even just to make sausages. By the time you come back, you know, you might have, you know, obviously you've got your back straps depending on how you want to use them, um, you know, but if you've got your legs and your, your forequarters and all that, I mean, by the time you strip all that meat back, you keep your knife sharp. I mean, me and Muzz did two goats, I don't know, probably some six months ago. I mean, we were there for a couple of, for three, three hours in the afternoon just trying to strip them all back, get every little bit of meat off them we could, you know, set up obviously, you know, cut them all up, mincing it all up, you know, getting all your stuff ready for your sausages or your, your ingredients and that can be quite quite arduous task actually and you're right when you say you know people think you just come home throw it in the freezer and off you go from a trip it's the hours after that you've got to spend preparing the carcasses to what you know to the you know final food that you're going to eat yeah this goes back to what i was saying before about people having a a greater appreciation of where their food comes from um there there is a lot that goes into it it's not just a matter of going out bush shooting it it drops going home stuff in the freezer um, it's the, the hours, the months, the week, or even like in your case, in my case, the years you spend trying to get that, that beast um, is just, you know, the first piece of the puzzle. And then you got to get it back to the car. you got to get it home, strip it, hang it, you know, cut it down um, into your, your cuts. If you want to make your sausages, you've got to mince it. So there's an awful lot of work involved that I think the, the vast majority of the population don't truly understand and appreciate. So, um, yeah, I think that all goes back to what I was saying before, that it'd, it'd be nice if um, people had a greater appreciation understanding of where their food comes from. I think they'd be a bit more appreciative and understanding of um, of hunters if they had an idea. Yeah, no, you're right. I speak to a farmer when I go. I think I mentioned this on the last show we did uh, when I went down the Riverina, and quite interesting that I don't know if this is true or not. Perhaps, hey, if, if anyone wants to email me, australianhuntingpodcast.gmail.com about uh, when you're hanging full carcasses, it's quite interesting because I always thought, why doesn't the full carcass, why doesn't it go off? Why doesn't it spoil uh, as quick as, say, smaller cuts? Now, my farmer had a bit of an interesting uh, situation happen. We put uh, one of these hoggets, which is a two-tooth, I don't know, they're some 14 months old. I think it's obviously a little bit bigger than lamb. Now, when we cut it, when we hang in the fridge, he goes, oh, no, it lasts there for, for quite a while. And I said, well, when does it sort of go off? And his theory is, and I don't know if this is true, if there's any um, butchers out there, uh, let us know. He says, as soon as you cut it with the uh, through the bone with the bandsaw, I don't know if this is legit or not, um, you've got to pretty much get it frozen up you know, relatively quickly. Um, he says a lot of the times he's, he's tested this theory. If he goes, if you cut up, cut them up and you use more of a cleaver, or like, you know, an axe sort of similar to sort of, you know, make your cuts and stuff like that, like a big heavy sort of, you know, object to sort of cut those big, you know, bones through and stuff like that. He goes, it doesn't tend to spoil, definitely nowhere as quick as a bandsaw. So apparently bandsaw cutting is a, is a big difference. Now, I wonder why that is. Is it, you know, is it changing up the, you know, physiology in the bone? I've got no idea. So any butchers out there, tell us if it's true. Is my farmer just telling me furfies? Um, is he lying to me? <laughs> Please let us know. But um, Brad... 
Mm-hmm. Mate, what's your thoughts on firearms ownership? Obviously, we do a show that covers you know everything pretty much. We do a bit of hunting. We got that for you if you like that. We got you know we talk to you know average shooters like me and you. So we got that too. We've got um, politics stuff. But uh, what's your thoughts on firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? And before you answer, before you want anything, before you answer. Um, a lot of people know we might have had Brad before if you listen to the show regularly. Brad's called into our straight shooting podcast as well and had a bit of a discussion with us, which is, uh, which is great. I think it was uh, one of our third call-ins, I think, on the, that we've done for straight shooting. So continue, mate. If you had have asked me this a few days ago, I think you might have gotten a uh, different response. With the COAG on Friday and New South Wales now agreeing, or well, in principle, I guess, agreeing to uh, reclassify in the Adler, um, I guess my opinions changed slightly. If you had asked me a few days ago, I would have said I'm, I'm pretty generally pretty happy with the way things are going. I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, the community, I guess, is mobilising to make change um, to try and, and, and remove um, registration, PTAs and whatnot. I guess my opinion's changed slightly now. Um, we, the NFA, I guess, has remained pretty rock solid for the last 20 years. Now we're seeing it being tightened, which it's happened slightly, I guess, over the last 20 years. But now this is quite a big deal to classify something from Category A to Category D. It hasn't happened on this scale before. Uh, I think this is the, very, uh, the thin edge of the wedge, I guess. So I, I, I would have said the other day that, yeah, we're heading in the right direction. Um, we're still a long way to go. But, yeah, we're, I think we're moving along nicely. We're, we're getting motivated and and getting noticed but it seems that now it, it, almost we're fractured you can see online there's a lot of infighting and oh well, we don't need it anyway well that's bullshit that that's sorry that, that's a piss poor response and that's not acceptable you might not need it but why should i not be able to have it um i've gone through the process the checks and balances and i've i've, I've been inspected i was actually inspected um the other night they came around about eight o'clock knocked on the door to do the, the safe inspection that was fine did they call you with that one? What, do you normally get calls down there? Because I, I know under the... Did you get a call first? I've been checked twice in the last 18 months and not once have they called. They've just rocked up. I, I, don't, I don't actually know where I stand on this, but both times they've just said, you know, confirm that I am me, and they've said we're here for a safe storage inspection. Is now a good time. Uh, it just so happened that it was. I don't know if I had have said no, what would have happened. I don't know if I can send them away. I don't know. I don't know about Victoria. I know in New South Wales they do have to make an appointment. I think it's section nineteen okay. two. I think there's nineteen. There's, I think, I think maybe three or four parts to section nineteen. But I know it's nineteen two. They must make mutually agreeable time in New South Wales. So I know, but I'm not sure about Victoria. So again, someone emails them if they know the Victorian legislation. Send us an email because that'd be good for future shows. But. Um, you know, some I tell people, listen, if it's not if it's not a good time, or like I know most ninety nine point nine percent of people always do the right thing, and it can be inspected any time. But you know, mate, all it takes, as you know, is that one little twenty two round, which is could have been an oversight on the ground, which I think is completely ridiculous if the police try and charge someone for that sort of thing, which they can do. So I, I say this: if you're totally unsure, just in case you haven't done it, just a you know final scour check. Listen, mate, I've been drinking. I'm not. Uh, not in the frame of mind, or I can't handle firearms when I'm actually been under. I'm, I'm, you know, under the influence of alcohol. So you have to come back tomorrow, mate. You know, at a more appropriate time. So you can't say that. I think. Oh, I don't know. Very well, could do. I'm just not sure where I stand. It just happens that I've been. At eight o'clock. Was it eight o'clock at night? Yeah. Madness. Madness. Fiance was in bed because she has to get up 
sort of half past one in the morning to go to the flower market. We, we own a florist. Um, so she was in bed and she comes down and goes, there's people at the door. So I had to look outside and there's a cop car out the front. I actually thought it was for the neighbours across the road. The two, two blokes across the road were arrested a few weeks ago. Um, I was watching the police take him out in handcuffs. I thought maybe they were just here to perhaps see if I saw anything or knew anything. So um, yeah, I just answered the door expecting, you know, did you know what happened across the road? But no, nah, they confirmed that I'm me and they're here for a safe storage uh, inspection. So it was a bit of a surprise. I didn't think they checked them at that, that hour. But, um, yeah, you know, so, it was all right. So not calling and coming that late. I'd be, oh, yeah, if I was letting him in, I'd say, listen, man, like next time, listen, maybe this time, next time, don't come at this time. You know, don't come at this time. It was lucky I wasn't in bed because um, I had the following day off. But ordinarily, I'd be in bed about 6 o'clock, so I have to start work at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. What's it like going to bed at 6, 6 p.m.? Is that tough or no? It's better in the winter. Um, at the moment, it's still it looks like midday when I go to bed at that hour. The sun's still up and it's bright and the room's hot. It's a bit of a, a challenge in the summer, but during the winter, it's not too bad. It takes quite a bit of getting used to, but um, yeah, it's not not too bad in the grand scheme of things. Mate, what you know, about some of the um, you know the firearms ownership in Australia, what changes would you make to the current system, if any? I mean, obviously, as we see, we see the Adler might be classified as Category D for the seven-shot. What what would you do differently in regards to this current system? I think the only thing I'd really keep is licensing and the background checks. I think everything else can go. Once once you've deemed yourself, I guess, um, safe to own firearms, what I own and how many I own... It should be irrelevant. The NFA, for the, uh, the most part, would go. Registration would go. PTAs would go. I don't know about safe storage. I'm still, I'm still a bit. Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I would personally still keep them in a safe, just because I don't want my firearms being stolen. Because then, as you know, they're not cheap. But I personally wouldn't be against, say, just having a crappy side by side you picked up for, you know couple hundred bucks at the gun shop secondhand in your um in your wardrobe or under your bed just in case i i do believe that you should be able to defend yourself in your home if someone is um is forcing their way in i don't know if you've been getting this in the news up there but we've got the apex gang down here has that been in the news oh it's in the news every day yeah so that that's that's a real and ever-present danger and it's it's constantly happening so I don't know why I'm not able to defend myself. Um, I don't know why being a victim is better than being not a hero and not, not being the aggressor, but I don't know why the government sees being the victim as the moral high ground. Yeah. Some uh, people say the, the meaning of, uh, obviously they're, they're saying it's stolen, which is you know, probably mostly true, but some people say the reason for you know, the safe storage is that you can't get access to your firearms quickly if you actually need them. So it creates a much more of an, you know, an issue later on. If you do have to get them out, it's, it sort of takes away that element of getting them out, having the ammunition separate. But then I tell people that there's plenty of options in regards to that. I mean, there's fingerprint safes, which can be opened in, you know, which still, which, which still remain safe. I mean, they can be loaded, but I mean, if they're, if they're out of the access of children, which most of us would agree would be the right thing to do, or at least for children not to have access to those types of things, a single fingerprint safe keeps that away from the child. As you know, if someone wants to get into a safe, doesn't matter whether it's small, big or large, they'll be able to get into it. But then someone had a discussion with someone last week and a lot of people say safe storage is good, and then but I've got another guy that I speak to quite regularly. He reckons he says no. He goes, "How about education over regulation?" So educating people that would be the right thing to you know store your firearms so they're not stolen, but also having the option of you know different types of safes that you know firearms can be accessed easily in the time of need if that was what was required. 
Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think there are, there are other options, like you said, the fingerprint scanners. Uh, sorry, the fingerprint um, safes. So there are other options available. Um, also, maybe not um, firearms for personal defence, but I'd really like to see pepper spray made more readily available. Um, I think that could do an awful lot, not just um, for protecting yourself, but changing the mentality of would-be intruders. They'd be a bit more cautious and maybe think twice about breaking into your home. But what about um, that? Sorry, to interrupt you. What about that Apex gang? I've been hearing, and I mean, this is interesting. This one was on the news. I saw this one firsthand, so I know it's true. There was a guy. Uh, they came in, apparently there was four of them. So he had a baseball bat, and they didn't care whatsoever. They just stood in front of him and said, "Give us your keys, otherwise, there's pretty much going to be trouble." Anyway, so he gave them the keys. They went to the garage. That was what he thought to be the end of it. Anyway, they come back inside. They couldn't get the car started. So even though this guy's got a bat in his hand. I mean, technically, how many can you hit with a bat for one? Number two, they're that, they're that brazen that they actually took him out to the car and said, get this car started, otherwise we're going to basically F you up if you don't get this car started so we can steal this car off you. I mean, how, how brazen is that, getting the person again out of the house into the garage so they can steal the car because they couldn't get it started? I mean, my only issue with pepper spray is, and that, that's a great option, don't get me wrong, but you know, if you've got four of these guys in there you're spraying them in the face, they don't necessarily... They may not necessarily back off from what we're seeing. They may they, they could eventually have a knife, and then you know they just start running crazy in the lounge room. If you're in the lounge room too, and you can't get out, or they just hopefully come in contact with you and start stabbing you, that's a real reality too. You know. No, you're right. Um, but I think pepper spray is probably a really good start. I think going from being a, a, a mandatory victim in the, the eyes of the government to having firearms protect yourself is a massive leap, and I don't see that happening. So I think. Pepper spray is a good start. I, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I'd really love to be able to defend myself with a firearm should that situation ever occur to me. But, but I think pepper spray would be a good start. It might not solve every problem, but it would certainly, I think, make a lot of, maybe not those ballsy apex guys, but I think the opportunists might think twice about busting into a house if they remotely thought there was someone inside with pepper spray. Um, from what I understand, it's not a really good feeling copping that in the face. Yeah, no, no. and Jeff Borman's been a big uh, down for the Shooters and Fishers party down in uh, uh, Victoria's been pretty big on that too, which is which is great down there, and um, uh, been a big uh, you know proponent of pushing that. Especially, I know he talks to that guy, and I've just tried gone totally blank. What's that radio host he talks to? The one no one likes. Um, Not Neil Mitchell. Neil Mitchell, yeah, three AW. That's him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been on that show quite a fair bit, pushing it too, which is which is great. Yeah, he has. Um, I like Jeff Borman a lot. He's actually, his uh, electoral office is in my hometown. So he's just around the corner from where I live. I like him a lot. He's, um, I've met him a couple of times. He's a really good guy. And I think um, in terms of pro-gun politicians, he is probably one of the few that I'd say has a real spine and just sticks to the same thing um, over and over again. And he doesn't back away. Speaking of that, mate, um, voting. Yes. You don't, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. I always ask everyone. Do you First off, do you vote for a pro-gun party, number one? And if you do... Uh, if you don't mind sharing which one is, that's up to you. And, you know, what are they doing good? What are they doing bad? I mean, do you vote for a major party? You know, the Greens, for an example? Obviously not, but uh, just tell us a bit about your voting uh, habits. It would be a cold day in hell before I vote for the Greens. That's for damn sure. <laughs> thought um, I'd just throw that in there for a bit of fun. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I am a member of the um, Shooters and Fishers. Um, I think that is going to change. Um, the events of the last sort of 12 to 18 months I guess, have me a little bit disillusioned. I, I do vote pro-gun um, every election. I've voted pro-gun every election since I've turned 18. Um, I think this was the first election where I didn't put Shooters and Fishers number one. 
Um, I'm really, really liking what is coming out of the Lib Dems. I think David Lionhelm is a massive breath of fresh air. I, um, I think he's doing wonderful things. And the Shooters and Fishers saying they're the only party, you know, representing shooters and fighting for their rights, I think is absolute bullshit. Um, clearly, they're not watching what's going on in the Senate because David Lionhelm was kicking goals left, right and centre. So I'm a, a big fan of him. Okay, in, so, well, in saying that, then, you said you, you did vote for him. Just going back just, just a little bit on what you said. You said the last 12 to 18 months. I mean, what can they... I mean, can, can they bring you back to the party? What can they do better in the future, do you think, that may, you know, sway yourself back to the party? And if so, why did you start moving away? You said the last 12 to 18 months you weren't sort of happy. Why weren't you happy? What, what, what's happening that you're not happy with? Uh, mixed messages. Um, that they might say we want semi-automatics back. They shouldn't have been um, taken away in ninety six. And then they'll, uh, like uh, Donato the other day said, no one wants an AR-15, that's ludicrous. Like, well, you might not, but I sure as hell do. I think they're an, an awesome firearm. Um, they're great fun to shoot. They're not really as dangerous as the media portrays them to be. Um, it's it's not, I mean, they're an inanimate object, as, as you know. They're not going to go out and massacre people on their own. It's the mentally unstable person behind it. Um, I, I think... The shooters and fishers could absolutely bring me back, but they've got a lot of work to do in trying to send the right message that they do represent shooters. They are trying; they want to change um, things for the better, and they need to start by, I guess, calling Gun Control Australia, the Greens, um, the Liberals, Labor on their bullshit and their lies. Um, I think that'd be a really good place to start. Send a consistent message. Send a profile message. Don't back away and have a bit of spine. Yeah, and what and you said you're, you're LDP. What are they? What do you think they're doing uh, right? What what interests you in regards to them? And uh, on the flip side, too, the same question: What can they do better as well? Uh, I think the first time I really paid attention to Liberal Democrats was I think it was just after the Lint Cafe siege, when I was reading about this senator I'd never really heard of before, David Lionhelm, mentioning that we should be looking at concealed carry. I'm like, what is this guy on about? This has to be an American article. This cannot be Australian politics. And I'm reading it and going, this guy is amazing. He's, he's making logical um, points. Where, where did he come from? And I'll sort of start looking into it. And uh, I look through his interviews and, and articles online. And the more I read, he just sends a very strong, consistent message. Licensed firearm owners are not an issue. These are the facts. This is how it needs to be. This is how it is. It works over in um, Switzerland. It works over in New Zealand. Canada's not got an issue. They've got access to all these firearms. They don't have registration. Why are we spending, was it a billion dollars over the last 20 years, controlling people who don't need to be controlled? So I think that's the message that the shooters and fishers need to be sent, uh, need to start sending, that the Liberal Democrats haven't backed away from. I think that's a great message they're sending, and they're, they're kicking goals, like I said, left, right, and centre. And I... I don't know what they could be doing better because I think they're already doing a wonderful thing. They're pushing the right message. They're consistent in what they're saying and they don't back away when they're pressed for uh, for answers and, and pressed for proof, which um, I would like to see other pro-gun parties um, take a leaf out of their book. How do you think it's... Because I've had a chat with a lot of people about this. How do you think One Nation's done quite well too whilst I think One Nation... They've actually said some pretty decent things about guns. I saw recently um, Pauline was on... Uh, the Sunrise program and sort of defended the Adler, you know, gets the criminals that are the problem. So that's fantastic. I know they're a bit, you know, status quo 
on firearms, which, you know, necessarily is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, of course, we I think we all wish it would be better. But how do you think, I mean, because a lot of elections are going to be coming up. I'm not sure when your Victorian one's coming up, but uh, I know there's one in Queensland coming up. We've got uh, New South Wales in 2019. You know, you've got the WA elections, I think, not too far away as well. How are these parties, do you think One Nation will take a few votes from not only, I guess, SFP, but also the LDP as well? Or do you think it's not going to really matter? Um, I don't think One Nation is really going to be taking the vote from LDP and Shooters and Fishers. I think they're going to be targeting people who, I guess, kind of like how uh, Donald Trump did in the US, they're going to be getting the votes of the people who feel disillusioned with the major parties. Uh, In terms of their pro-gun message, it's okay, I guess. It's not great. It could be better, but they're certainly not doing any harm. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think they're, uh, Pauline, Han- uh, sorry, Pauline Hansen has stated that the NFA, uh, I think she, for the most part, supports it as it stands right now. That's it. Don't touch it with maybe minor changes, but nothing major. So I, I would like to send maybe a, pro- a more pro-gun message, but I think she's certainly doing no harm in, um, in what she's saying. She has stood up and said that the Adler should be um, left as is. The import ban should be lifted. Uh, which I think is a great thing. But I, I definitely think they could be stronger on that pro-gun message. Um, and when they move into other states in the upcoming elections, I think they're going to do really, really well. As we saw with um, the Orange election and the swing from the Nationals, I think the One Nation Party is probably going to pick up a lot of those sort of voters who are disillusioned. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more um, One Nation members in, in Parliament. Yeah, they reckon they're going to have a big pull in Queensland, might even get the balance of power, so... I don't doubt that for a second. Yeah, Queensland, they're an interesting Queensland. Um, Very, I don't know how to explain it. Um, Always been a bit different, especially different to New South Wales, definitely different from the Western states. Um, In in sometimes a good way. They're a bit more, I don't know, liberal, I guess you might say at times. And I think, you know, even though people really disliked um, Campbell Newman, and I did too, actually, but uh, uh, he was sort of cutting a bit of red tape. There was a little bit of an improvement under Campbell Newman, which is sort of stalled under the Palaszczuk government. So I don't know, maybe maybe something might change in the future. But all right, we've got the five questions in under a minute, mate. You ready to take the challenge? Yeah, we'll give it a red hot go. All right, give me a second. Just got to get this out of the way on my screen here so I can get it done. All right, in three, two, one, go. All right, best thing about being a hunter or shoot it, what is it and why? Um, Understanding where your food comes from and getting out into the bush and exploring this country. Okay, favourite aspect of hunting, what is it and why? Um, Getting out and about and I think taking meat home that is free-range organic and just really good for you. All right, curveball, favourite species you want to hunt outside Australia. What is it and why? Um, Elk, because I think they're a gorgeous animal and it would look great hanging on the wall. All right, if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Um, North America, this is a species that we don't necessarily see here and I'd love to get a coyote skin. Nice, favourite firearm of all time you own, what is it and why? My CZ, my 22. It's gorgeous, shoots straight, looks stunning. All right, 47.48. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We've had a few people before that have uh, gone over the one minute and they've failed the challenge, but you've passed the challenge today, so that's fantastic. Mate, to finish off, I'm just going to go back to my questions here. To finish off, tell us a bit about uh, a story, I guess you might say, uh, somewhere where you've gone out, maybe a hunting story, I don't know, whatever you choose, mate, but... The, the listeners love when this is what I hear when they email me. They want to hear, you know, time of day it was, summer, winter, raining, not raining. 
I want to feel the story, a good three to five minute story. So tell us a story about something you remember that uh, really stands out in your mind. Okay, uh, this is probably the most, actually it was the most recent trip, uh, not trip, but the last hunt I went on um, was at that um, the farm at 20 minutes from my house where I headed out there probably about six o'clock in the evening. So the sun is just sort of starting to turn. Um, we get onto the property, um, say good day to the, to the owner and her husband, um, start walking out into the field, and there's rabbits everywhere. Um, so you, I knew this is gonna it's gonna be pretty fruitful. I'm gonna be coming home with a fair few. Um, so shooting rabbits and haven't really seen any foxes. The sun's just about set. We uh, try to whistle in a fox. Um, I knew it was there. I've seen it before. It comes in generally from the same area around about the same time, um, and I see this head pop up. And this rabbit sort of hops out of um, its burrow. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen any foxes. It's pretty quiet night on the fox front. I'll just take this this rabbit. Um, and it's sitting there for a while and it moves around. I'm just trying to wait for it to get really set. Um, get it in the crosshairs. It's not a whole lot of light, so it was, took a bit sort of to, to make sure I was on. Pull the trigger. It drops. I'm like, all right, sweet. Walk over. The, 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 uh, the bullet, sorry, had gone through. Dropped the, this rabbit, gone through and hit two of the babies behind it. So with a single shot, ended up with three rabbits. I'd never seen it before. I'd never heard of it happening before. I, I, I didn't know exactly how it had happened, but I somehow managed to fire off a single round and hit three rabbits. So I was pretty happy with uh, with my last trip. I think that's um, something I'll probably remember for the rest of my life. Nice. Yeah. It's always good to remember these stories, aren't they? You know, like... Uh... You can't make up that I've had many good trips around with people, you know, friends, family. And sometimes, you know, when you go out, sometimes you don't get anything, but it's been around friends, the camping experience. I, I love that sort of stuff. And, you know, sometimes with my, my job, probably no doubt you too, I get a bit of anxiety sometimes, stress, you know, when you're at work and stuff like that. But I, I never feel, I feel, I feel great. And when you're out in the field, most of the time, if it depends on where you are, there's, for me, there's no phones, there's no reception. Mate, my sleep is so much better. My... I know demeanor is so much better. I'm fully calm. Like it's, I wish I could just do that all the time. Either that, or I've got to move out of the city and uh, get a different job. You know. Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before that that it, it feels like that's who I am and that that's what what I need to be doing. When when you're out camping with mates and you, you're going for a hunt or a shoot, it just feels like home. No matter where you are, it just feels like home. You got the, the campfire crackling in front of you, um, hanging out with you know good blokes shooting the shit and telling stories and it's just a really good time and i think uh, more people need to experience that mate last bit of advice to finish off any for my great listeners that listen to this show or yeah absolutely um get involved get involved um make calls make uh organize meetings send letters send emails um get a few of your mates together to go meet with your local member um, we just don't sit back and let the uh, responsibility, uh, sorry, responsibility fall on the shoulders of everyone else. You need to get involved. Um, I think that's the, the biggest thing I could probably say is don't just sit back and wait. You need to act and you need to act now, especially um, with what we're facing with COAG on Friday and possible further restrictions because no doubt if this Adler moves to Cat D, this is just the start of it. So you need to get mobilised and be active Mate, you're 100% right. And how rude of me. Now, listeners don't know, you sent me my, uh, if they listen to the, the Straight Shooting podcast, you sent me my uh, intro, didn't you? I did. Yes, that was nice me. Nice work. What, 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 I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, donations are fantastic when they do come in. 
But, uh, you know, doing something like that where you've gone out on your own to draft up, and I think I, listened, I said this in the last show, I'm pretty finicky with my intros and stuff like that. Um, I'm getting some more done to, you know, change a few up of the show currently as well. So I'm doing up some new ones uh, as we speak as well to, you know, sort of refresh the intros and stuff like that. You know, they get a little bit stale, as you know. But um, yeah. what made you want to just... Do an intro. I know we're always talking about it for one, which we never got around to. I can't believe I kept forgetting about it. But uh, what made you want to go and do that for me? Um, I've listened to your show. I think I first started listening around show 30 or 40, so pretty early on. Um, And I I get an awful lot from your show. Um, I'm I'm a regular donator every month. Um, I get the notification from PayPal. I've made a donation. And I I just feel $5 a month is nothing. The amount of hours... Um, you put in and Mario puts in and the, the enjoyment I get out of it, especially when I'm in the bakery on my own, get the earbuds in and I don't want to be at work, but if it's bearable listening to the podcast, it makes the day go quicker. I just felt paying $5 a month wasn't really enough to show appreciation for how much I enjoy what you do. Um, so listening to you and Mario keep saying, oh, we need to make an, get an intro. We need to make an intro. Muzz, we need an intro. I just happen to be at the computer um, streaming one of the older episodes, and you mentioned it again. Like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll organise it for him. And I know like, we're mates on Facebook, and I see um, we both love Disturbed, and huh. yeah, he loves his metal. I'll, I'll contact someone and see if we can organise an intro in that sort of um, style. Yeah. And the, the, I, think, I thought the music was great. I wasn't so impressed with the, the vocals. I told him I wanted the style of Disturbed. David Draymond has a very distinctive voice, as you know. <laughs> Might be hard um, to redo that voice anyway. I, I don't, you, I don't think he nailed it. I don't think he nailed it quite. You know, oh, I thought it was great. I think he's done a pretty decent job. Um, yeah. So I thought if that's something very small I could do um, to, to show a bit of appreciation for the work that you and Mario put in, I thought, well, why not? It doesn't. Yeah, no, it was good. It was perfect. It was just the, the perfect length as well. I'm pretty finicky with those sort of things. Like I've had a couple of people make some for me before. And maybe I might play them one day on the show for a bit of a uh, skit sort of thing. Some of them I just went, oh, like I can't believe I paid for this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you know, and you just say, yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. But you know, because part of the agreement sometimes they might give you two or three different ones and I'm like, oh, they're all terrible and you still got to pay them, unfortunately. Lucky it's not a huge amount of money. It's, it's a reasonably priced, um, you know, affair for some of the people that I've found that, that do them specifically. But um, no, it was good, man. Perfect length. Um, great. It ends quickly too, which is what I was thinking too on the show, like, you know, how quick it ends and stuff like that. Like, zoop, and then straight into the, into the, the segment. Mate, couldn't have asked for more, so I do appreciate that, yeah. Glad you liked it. I, I thought it came out all right and nice length and in the um in in the style I thought you'd appreciate. So I'm actually really stoked that you like it. Yeah. No, it's a good segment too. Some people have said before, like once people go, Oh, you know, you're hassling shooters. And I say, Mate, we're not hassling shooters, we're just trying to come across with a point of view of Listen, this is the reason why this is well, – I, I, again, I've only, I'm only one person with one opinion. This is why I think it's incorrect, this, this, this opinion or this attitude, and what we need to do to change that, you know what I mean? What we need to do to change that. And, um, you know, like some people get upset going, oh, you know, you've mentioned names. And I say, well, you know, like, like me, I mean, surely enough people that you know, may not, you know, like what I do. You know, I put my name to it, and if you're going to put stuff on the internet, I guess we've all got to expect that, haven't we, that, you know, our opinions, including mine, uh, are going to be, you know, critiqued and – you know, at times taken to task, and you know that's what we try and do. So this is the reason why it's maybe not correct, or why we think it's not correct. And 
how we can improve, how we can write letters and stuff like that and, you know, uh, stuff like that and, you know, privileges and rights and those sort of things and, you know, get into a discussion about that. So, no, Exactly. You're putting your opinion on the internet. It's a public forum. You've got to be um, open to receiving criticism. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, people are always going to disagree. Um, so be it. It is what it is. Let's move on. All right, Brad Page joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast as part of the Everyday Hunter series. Brad, man, thanks for your time and thanks for the intro. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.